0: I'd like to thank every one of you in the audience that's encouraged me in this endeavor to bring this lesson this morning. And I've gained a valuable appreciation for the work that Brother Randy does and other men that have led, brought forth lessons and sermons, and offered the invitation. Uh, in this lesson this morning, I have prepared a few reasons that people don't obey God. And I'd like to start out this the video we watched in Bible study kind of was a nice segue into this. Uh, I'm pretty sure most, if not all in the audience are familiar with the Garden of Eden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the, partake, the partaking of that fruit. Since man's beginning and being placed on the earth in day six in Genesis 1, 28 through 31, uh, man was told to be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. That wasn't their only responsibility though. Uh, God ordered them not to eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 2.17. And in Genesis 3.6, we read that they did do that. And that was a time that sin entered the world. And sin being a transgression of God's law. And since that time, people in one form or fashion have failed to obey the will of God. Man's whole existence is to propagate life and bring them into the obedience of God above all else I mean we do have responsibilities outside of that our jobs and our family but the most important thing is to bring people into obedience of the Lord Ecclesiastes 12 uh, 13 through 14 Solomon wrote let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man and in verse 14 for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. So now that we've kind of established the whole point of man being on earth, we'll look at seven reasons why people don't obey God. Our duty as Christians is to reach the lost, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19-20. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve all things that I have commanded of you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And this congregation, like other faithful congregations, we do send out missionaries, Brother Jack Honeycutt and Ron Gilbert go to places and teach people. Uh, And also the support of other faithful congregations. But despite our efforts in those, uh, people still fail to obey. Uh, the The first reason I'd like to bring forth to you is that they're not ready. Uh, There are some that have not obeyed the gospel, and that's okay. We have several small children in this audience, and that's that's the ones I'd like to talk about here. Uh, The world has a total population of about 7.5 billion as of 2017, Uh, an estimated 1.9 million of those, or approximately a quarter of the population, are children. And in underdeveloped countries where some of the missionaries here go, the population is booming of children and somewhat declining in countries that are considered more developed like ours. Here in America, we have about 74.2 million children. That number would be substantially higher if uh, the victims of abortion were alive today. Uh, The babies and children that we're talking about, even though we're commanded as Christians to be as little children, Matthew 1 through four, and Mark 10, 13 through 15, Children themselves are exempt because in Mark 16:16 16, 16 uh, we read that one must believe. Uh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So in one sense, children are judgment-ready, and in one sense, they're, they're not. They're, re- they're not ready to fully understand God's will for them, so that would make them exempt. But they are judgment-ready. In Matthew 18:1 through 3, and Matthew 19:14, we find very similar readings. But Jesus said, "Suffer little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven." But when Jesus would say said that, he wasn't referring to the physical size and age of children, uh, but that were to be innocent, teachable, humble, trustful, and obedient children, for the most part, uh, go through several, it'd be readily recognized that they go through stages of readiness as they can't talk, then they can, they can't walk, and then next thing you know, they're running all over the place and can't control them. So when we become able of conscious sin, uh, that's when it's necessary for us to obey the will of God. Uh, Then we also recognize that there's some that are born that uh, have cognitive development abilities, disabilities that they never, they never are fully as what they, they never acquire the thought and problem solving skills that many of us have through to adulthood. Uh, the second reason I would like to propose to you is that people don't know the necessity or how to obey. Uh, the first example we use is the Ethiopian eunuch of Acts 28 36, 26 through 31, excuse me. Verse 31, we used to illustrate this point, and he said, how can I accept some man guide me? So there he was exhibiting characteristics of a complete lack of knowledge of what he needed to do. Uh, so some may obey because they don't know how to obey. Romans 3, 20, 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's also a lack of knowledge of their condition. Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there also the lack of knowledge and the consequences of that lack of knowledge. Uh, Romans 10.17, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God that would uh, explain how that knowledge will be imparted to one. And it's our duty as Christians, Colossians 1.28 to, uh, to be out and trying to seek and save these people. It says, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we present, may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Next reason is don't see the importance We take Felix the example of Felix in Acts 24 22 through 25 uh, in earlier verses there Paul had his defense before Felix so then Felix had the knowledge of the way according to verse 22 and when Felix had heard these things having more perfect he had a more exact knowledge of the way But he only knew of the importance after Paul having spoke to him in verse 25. And as he reaches of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Verse 25 when it said Felix trembled, it gives a characteristic of him being terrified. It's uncertain whether that convenient season ever came for Felix. Uh, I think one would hope and pray that it did, but there is no certainty in knowing that. Uh, obedience to God is the most important. Matthew 22, 36 through 38. Master teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus responded unto him Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The next reason I would like to bring forth is though they don't see, people don't see the urgency. Uh, By not seeing the urgency, one still has the obligation to obey the commands of God. An urgency, uh, I've looked up the definition to the urgency and importance. An urgency says importance requiring swift action. So one looks and can realize that there's a choice needs to be made. And either making the choice or not making the choice, you're still making a choice. An importance, the state or fact of being of great significance or value. In Acts 22, 16, and now why tarriest thou? Terry meaning extending time due to indecision for one every, one reason or another. And I was basically telling Paul there that he needed to get on with it and act on what he knew to do. Indecisiveness, being hesitant, tentative. We all know people that are like that, or we may be like that ourselves, that know there's changes that need to be made in their life, yet they feel... They fail to see that urgency and that potential for doing so. Being slow, to one, being slow to act on one's knowledge of scriptural matters, it's been a tragic end for some and will continue to be tragic ending for others as well. We'll take Luke 16, the example of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus had nothing, the rich man had everything. In verse 29 through 31 we can read, that uh, the rich man was pleading for intercession somehow on behalf of his family members and other loved ones, that they might change their life before they met a similar fate as himself. So once one passes from this life, there'll be no second chances, no redos. A lot of things in life where we look back and we're like, well, if I could redo that, and some things we can and some things we can't, but when it comes to spiritual matters and death, once you've passed on, you've passed on. So one must make the changes while one has the time and opportunity. We don't know what the future will bring for us when we depart here or any activity that we're doing in our life. I mean, Christ could come at any moment. We could leave here and suffer an injury or ailment that might leave us unable to render the the obedience of God because of a catastrophic injury of some nature. And in the scripture reading, uh, the brother Larry read John 12:48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words Hath one that judges him The words I have spoken The same shall judge him on that last day So the words Of the Bible Everybody's going to be judged equally Whether you have done the things That one ought to Or you haven't done the things that one ought to Hebrews 10:31. It's a fearful thing to, ha- to fall into the hands of the living God Next uh, reason I would propose to you that some don't obey the will of God is they're afraid they're not worthy, they're not good enough. And in Matthew 9, 10 through 13, we read, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw, saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why your master? Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But Jesus heard that and said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So there's some that feel that others aren't good enough. Uh, I know, and you know, in the case there, there were some there that uh, felt that they were righteous or more righteous than others and felt that, that some weren't worthy of, of God's protecting, covenant. Will never be good enough. John, John 1:27, we read, "He, He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am unworthy. I'm not worthy to unloose." And, and in Matthew 8:8, 8, 8, we have the example of the centurion. So the centurion answered and said, "Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed." Those that are afraid to commit. King Agrippa in Acts 26, 27, and 28. King Agrippa, believest thou of the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then King, then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So we also probably know some like that that have been around the church and the teachings of Jesus their entire life. So they know what to do. It's uh afraid to commit, afraid to act. So then, brings us whatever their earthly desires. Do they have the uh, desire to give those up and walk in the newness of life? Uh, so, it, so in the following verses in Galatians 5, 19-21, we commonly kind of re, what's referred to as the works of the flesh, and just, a lot of people, those are acceptable behaviors, but they're act, in actuality very contrary to the will of god uh some of those that are listed there would be adultery fornication uh would envying murders drunkenness and such like and in the, the end of that when it says the end of that passage where it says and such like a lot of times people think that they can do things and somehow it's exempt because it's not on, on a list like these but that wouldn't be the case the and such like because a lot of these things that one might involve himself in that's contrary to the will of God tend to tend to group together and would all apply and it, and it says as I have told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God James four seventeen. therefore to him that knoweth to do good doeth it not to him in his sin so those that are afraid to commit they're going to meet a, a bad ending as well because they, they know the things to do to, that they need to do to change their life, yet they fail to do so. Uh, in Proverbs 17.11 uh, and 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, we have some frightening words for those in rebellion to God. In uh, Pro, Proverbs 17.11, it says, An evil man seek, seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, we read, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed with his mighty angels, flaming fires, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So I know my lesson's not been all that long, I didn't have a whole lot of co- commentary on a lot of, uh, a lot of my scriptures and ideas I presented, but I think the scriptures I did present were pretty clear and concise, and one from those readings could uh, get, the, get the, the point would be come across rather clear. So in conclusion, are you a child of God? If not, why? If you're not ready, because you're a child? that's acceptable because you don't know your need or how to become one don't see the importance of obeying the commands of God don't see the urgency of obeying the commands of God maybe you're afraid you're not good enough you can't can't live the life that you think you need that you one would need to or is it simply that you don't want to obey the commands of God and you know, we live in a day and age when so many of the, the, of the motivational speaker, and, and I've heard uh, one say one time, and I thought it was a great saying, it says uh, far too often people are looking at what they have to give up instead of what they have to gain. And in Matthew sixteen twenty six and Mark eight thirty six and 37, we're asked a question. What shall man give in exchange for his soul? and you know we touched on the works of the flesh in Galatians 5 earlier um, are there things on that list or things that would fit in the and such like that you're exchanging your soul for doesn't sound like a very good trade does it Joshua twenty four fifteen we read and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord choose you this day whom you will serve so what it be said of you and your family and of those of your house as the end of that verse, but for me and my house will serve the Lord. So if you've never named the name of Jesus, been baptized for the remission of your sins, been raised to walk in the newness of life, uh, one must believe, or one must hear the word, Romans 10, 17, believe, Mark 16, 16. Repent of those sins you've done in your past, Luke 13, 3. Confess, Romans 10, 9. Be baptized for remission of those sins. Acts 2:38. And the the final the final step and the ultimate step is to remain faithful unto death. Revelations 2:10. But having done those things, you've fallen by the wayside and got maybe you fell back and got caught up in the cares of the world. and need confessing of those sins that done publicly. There's one that's faithful and just to forgive you. So, if you have a need in your life come now as we stand and sing.